That ought to be our prayer every day, shouldn't it, for every one of us. I'm an old man now, and so old men get both sentimental and emotional, and I will, I will be sentimental for just a moment, and I'll try not to be emotional. Uh, my connection with Landmark Baptist Church goes a long way back. I don't know how many of you know the history here, but my mother and father, we're, they were in Kentucky, where their home, where they were from, and after his retirement, my father did some consulting work in the printing industry, which he was in for a number of years. And uh, a firm here in Richmond brought him over in 1979. And uh, mother and dad had to find a church. And they were going to be here for six months or whatever, and it turned into a couple of years. But they found Landmark Baptist Church and a, pastor, a young pastor, they said, named Dr. Jim Sumter. I don't ever remember him young, do you? <laughs> but he was young to them. And uh, mother would call me and she'd say, you, you've got to hear this guy. You've got to know this guy. And uh, I am so thankful that uh, in, from 1979, after I first met him, uh, through all the years of our ministry in the same state, he was one of the closest friends I ever had, one of the best men I ever knew. Uh, when I moved to Virginia to start Heritage Baptist Church, the first phone call I made in Virginia was to Jim Sumter. And uh, you don't remember it because I had hair back then, <laughs> but the first church I ever was privileged to speak to in the state of Virginia was Landmark Baptist Church. And the first man who ever chose to support me and the first church that ever chose to support me was Landmark Baptist Church. And the vision that you have had for all of these years has made an incredible difference. I remember in those years when Jim and I would talk and, and uh, I bought, we'd buy buses and he always had buses. He always knew where to find buses. He was just good at buses. And uh, he would say, now Donnie will get that for you. Donnie will do that for you. Donnie's better at it than I am. Donnie will, and Donnie's like 14 years old. I'm thinking, <laughs> how can Donnie be better at it than you? And uh, then I had the privilege of pastoring in the same state and being the friend of Donnie Sumter. And I thought, oh, that's how Donnie's better at it than you, after observing him. Can I be honest with you? I don't, I don't know what God does sometimes. I, I, none of us are smart enough to get it, to understand it. I'm so glad that he is so much smarter than us and that he is, he is understanding of things that you and I won't understand until we stand in his presence. And to be honest with you, it'll be hard, Pastor, for me in some ways to ever not see Dr. Jim here and Donnie here, but I want to tell you, I will join Brother Crane, and after hearing that Sunday school lesson, I get what God is doing, and God is doing something marvelous, and God has brought the right young man here, young. I think he should still have a pacifier, but I, I, I don't know. I'm kidding when I say that. 
You know, one of the greatest blessings in my life at this stage of ministry is I am in church after church after church where God is placing young men like this young man. And people will ask me, Pastor, are you scared? Are, what do you see when you're out there? I see guys like this. And I think to myself, God is doing something. He is doing something great in our churches, and he's doing something great in our country. I believe that. And I just want you to know that since the time we've talked on the phone, since the time we've talked personally, since the opportunity I had to hear you and, and to just see your command of this pulpit, I, I just want you to know, Landmark Baptist Church, be encouraged because I absolutely am convinced that God has his man in this place. And I believe that God's hand is going to be on this church in the same way that it has been on this church for years and years and years. And I look forward to seeing how God continues to use you and to bless you as all of you move forward under the pastoring and the leadership of, of Brother James. And Mrs. Sumter, God bless you. He's going to need your help. He needs your help bad now. He needs it really bad going forward, okay? Isn't it true? It is not good that a man be alone. Amen. And thank God for our wives. And I just want you to know that we'll be praying for both of you. And for you, Mrs. Sumter. What a, what a priceless moment. To be able to see your son installed in your husband's place. And I want you to know that our hearts understand that. All right. I told you, when you get old, you just get emotional, okay? I don't make any apology for it, but I'll quit it. I want you to look at two scriptures this morning. My theme today is simply faithfulness. And I'm going to do it a little bit backwards. I'm going to talk about our faithfulness this morning. And tonight, I want to remind all of us that in the midst of everything that changes, God is faithful to us. I want you to notice two passages and one word this morning. I want you to get a hold of 1 Timothy chapter 4, and then I want you to get and hold 2 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading in verse 12. There in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. If you mark your Bible, mark that word, continue. Continue. 
For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And now let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and let's begin our reading in verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Verse 14, but continue. Again, we see that word. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Through faith which is in Christ Jesus, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these few moments we have this morning, and we pray that you would bless our understanding of your word. I pray that you would bless this young pastor and his wife. I thank you for them, for the testimony they have, for their desire to be used of you, and God, for your desire to use them in this place with this great group of believers. So, Lord, help us to be an encouragement to them today. Speak to our hearts, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Of all the scriptures I just read and of all the words that I just read, to be honest with you, perhaps the word continue would not be the one that would just jump out at us. I mean, we saw doctrine and faith and scripture. We saw so many great words. But I think for this moment in their lives and this moment in the life of this church, that word continue may be the most vital word in these two passages. Maybe I can elevate its importance by understanding its use throughout the New Testament. It is the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O, such an easy, simple word, but it communicates so much. It means very simply, according to Strong's Concordance, to stay. Just to stay. In John chapter 15, that word is translated as the word abide. And it speaks of the great and comforting truth that Jesus Christ abides in us. It charges us that if we're going to be fruitful, that we need to abide in the Word and the Word abide in us. In John chapter 14, it is translated with the word dwelleth, and it's applied to the Holy Spirit and the great truth that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, seals us, never leaves us. Aren't you glad this morning that we as Baptists believe the doctrine of eternal security and that the Holy Spirit never leaves us, never forsakes us, 
And even when we fail in our testimony for Him, He dwells in us. He stays in us. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 25, that word is translated endureth. And it's in reference to the Word of God. And the Word of God stays. The Word of God endures. Hey, the generations change, the cultures change, the world changes, but the Word of God never changes. It endures. It has value to every person and every generation. And I think as we start to look at that, we understand how important a word continue is Because God is interested in us continuing. There's great strength in continuity. One of the things that I'm so excited for, for Landmark, is the continuity. I'm just telling you, you're involved in something that is extraordinary. Uh, Some people might say, well, it's the third generation of Sumters. Yay, yay. There is great continuity in that, and that is great blessing. I want to tell you, I think it's a great testimony that a dad has a son that can be called the pastor who has a son that can be called the pastor. That's called a rich legacy in my book, and there's continuity there. There's something sweet and wonderful about that. Webster defines that word continuity this way. Uninterrupted connection, cohesion, close union of parts, unbroken texture. We live in a world that is completely disconnected. We live in a world where the technology of the morning is obsolete by the afternoon. We have churches that are schizophrenic and they have disconnected, they have the contemporary service early in the morning and the traditional service in the afternoon or vice versa. And, and I'm sorry, worship is worship. And I don't think we have to create categories to accommodate personal desires. We have schools that teach history completely unrelated to real history. We have children that live in homes where dads change about as quick as their clothes. And into the, into the chaos of our culture, God says, may no, stay, abide, dwell, don't move. Because we have a God who is a continuing God, a God who wants connection in a disconnected, chaotic world. And it is important for us to elevate that truth in our lives of continuing. Let me say a few things this morning. Number one, I believe that we have a continuing God. Paul urges Timothy to continue in the things he has learned and emphasizes the importance because of who he learned them from. I won't take time to rehearse the whole life of Timothy, but can I remind you that Timothy had a faithful grandma named Lois? And I I like to paint the picture, and so I'm telling you for just the next few seconds, I'm painting the Edwards interpretation 
I'm painting the Edwards look. And I can just see Grandma Lois with that little baby boy, Timothy, and Eunice, the mom, is busy with some things. They live with a Greek husband, and there may not have been the freedom to really uh, teach in all the ways they wanted to teach or be as open as they wanted. But grandmas have their way, you know. And I can just see Eunice in those moments when she has that little baby, and I can hear her talking Christian truth to him. I can hear her praying for him. I can hear her singing to him and talking to him about the truth of Jesus Christ who can be his Savior. And she begins to sow her life and sow her testimony into that young man's thinking. And by so doing, she is sowing Scripture into his life. I see that mom, Lois, and her heart bursts for her baby boy to know her Savior. And she knows that his salvation is not just because she's saved. She knows he needs a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And in ways that only moms can, she is busy teaching him and speaking to him and correcting him and leading him to that day where he is going to be able to trust Christ as his personal Savior. And so she's teaching him Scripture, teaching him doctrine, teaching him the reality of life. Enter a man named Paul into his life. Paul the Apostle. And Paul enters his life and begins to teach him doctrine, begins to teach him Scripture, begins to interpret law and show him how a young man lives and how a young man becomes. And, and, and now Paul, as he writes to this young man, Timothy, he says to him, listen, I want you to remember that from a child you have been taught truth. You have had Scripture shared with you. And I want you to value Value those who have taught you the truth. And James, I want you to value those who have taught you the truth. I, I, I'm not trying to elevate your grandpa over you, but your grandpa was a good and great man. And by the way, so was Mrs. Sumter. And there's importance to what you were given. You, you are the a piece of the chain that goes back earlier than you and they taught you and I want you to remember your daddy and your mom and what they put in you and what they taught you. I could say the same of Mrs. Sumter. You got to be so careful saying there's so many Mrs. Sumters. <laughs> there's just a chain in your life and I want you to value those who taught you and those who, who continued and they taught what they were taught and they taught their children what they were taught and they taught you what they were taught and you're teaching your children what you were taught. There's value to that. And listen, we can change the names. The names are interchangeable. We're all doing that in our sphere because the importance is not the name of the person who teaches, it's what they're teaching. And I love what it says, notice it in verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. 
One of the great blessings that we have this day is that not only do we have a continuing God, we have a continuing Word. So much is said in these verses that we need to know about the Scriptures. They are holy, verse 15 says. They are sacred. They are divinely breathed, inspired. The literal meaning of that word holy is sacred. It's a book by which we can be made better people. Now, I don't mean to say that there is some mystical operation and the Word of God somehow invests us in, and, uh, in, in a mystical way. Here's what I'm saying. It's a book of wisdom. And if we, possessing the Holy Spirit, will read the book that the Holy Spirit authored, He will take that book and He will help our faith to grow. He will help us to grow in grace. He will help us to grow in our sphere of influence and ministry. We have been given a book that will help us become what God wants us to become. It's a book that will make us wise. I love verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. I know what is going on in this young man's heart. And what is going on in this young man's heart is this. He doesn't feel adequate. And God bless you for that. I want to be pastored by a man who knows he has to fall down before God and beg for wisdom. I don't want a guy who is so sure of himself, his flesh, his own power of influence or personality that he doesn't think he has to consult with God. I want a man who knows he is so inadequate that he pleads with God Show me, O oh Lord, may your Holy Spirit show me from your word how I ought to be and what I ought to say and what I ought to do and where I ought to lead. God, there's not one day I'm wise enough, smart enough to be able to be discerning enough to lead your people in the way that you want them to go. I pastored Heritage for 37 years. I was an assistant pastor for four years. I've been doing SharePoint for two years. I'm 108. And here's what I know about me after 44 years of ministry. I am a child. I am a child in understanding. I don't know what, what it takes without God's help. And preacher, what I'm saying to you is, you need God now, but don't ever forget you need God Later, you need God every day. You need God in every circumstance. You're not smart enough to be her husband without God's help. You're not smart enough to be your, your children's father without God's help. And you are not smart enough to lead this ministry without God's help. And Paul says to you, and God says to all of us, I'm giving you a continuing word. It will make you Smart enough in doctrine. It will help you correct things that are wrong. It will lead you. It will teach you. It will provide for you. And I'm suggesting to you we have a continuing God who is ever present with us. He has given us a continuing word. And you must be daily 
hourly dependent upon it to be the pastor that God is going to want you to be. I urge you to spend day or hours of each day in that word. And then I say this. Your great job is to provide a continuing direction for this church. I've already seen that you're an intelligent young man. Don't let that go to your head. <laughs> I, I thought his Sunday school lesson was one of the most wonderfully prepared lessons and, and kindly presented. I thought it was wonderful. And I know that in your heart you're going to be innovative. And, and here's what I know. I know I'm old and you're not. And I know I don't like nothing changing. Amen? I like everything how I like it, and I'm old and I deserve it. You get over that. Now stay with me here just a minute. You see this head? This is not the future of any church. There's the future of this church. And some things have to change. I don't mean doctrine, and I'll explain that in a moment, but, but there has to be innovation. There has to be an acknowledgement of how things are heard and understood. There has to be a way that we reach out to a culture, hey, my parents were, I, I didn't get saved as a child. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. My dad didn't get saved till he was 61 or 2. I don't know what any of that means, but I thought I'd tell you that. <laughs> what are you saying, preacher? I, I, I'm just saying that, folks, we're, we're set in our ways sometimes. And we have got to acknowledge that, that things in a, in a culture... We don't live in Christian America anymore. What I was saying was, my, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but I knew more Bible as a lost 20-year-old that most people know today in any form. Because the culture was different. You, you could go do in that day what you're not able to go do today. You could speak to that culture in a way that you can't speak to this culture. They've not been taken to Sunday school. They've not been to VBS. They don't know the names of the Bible. They don't know the stories of the Bible. And we can't minister today like it was 1970. We minister in Jesus. And there are certain things that are never changed but I plead with you, allow this young man to be innovative inside the Scripture in ways that fill this church with young couples, with children, and to teach them how to teach their children to love and honor our God. Now, having said all of that, let me do this in conclusion. I think there are five things that we must jealously protect. And I charge you this morning, protect these. Here they are quickly. 
in landmark going forward under Pastor James Sumter, there must be a commitment to the Word of God as inspired and preserved. We cannot yield one inch or one truth of this book. It is the virgin birth. It's true. Hey, there was an ark and Noah and all the animals were on it. Hey, there was a garden of Eden and Adam and Eve were in it. And the devil slithered in and they fell. Hey, every one of us are sinners and there is only one way that any of us can be saved. And it is through Jesus Christ and his substitutionary death on the cross in our place. I could go on for hours listing things that must be accepted as truth. And we live in a culture that challenges every piece of truth in this book. And you cannot move. It is the inspired word of God. Always has been since he wrote it. And it is today regardless of what our culture says. Here's number two. A commitment to preaching the word of God is our chief method. It cannot change. We live in a culture that has rejected preaching. In the area where I pastored for so long, there were people who advertised 12-minute sermons. I can't tell you who I am in 12 minutes. There was one church that said, not a sermon, just a thought. As if we have to apologize for preaching. And I want you to know, I'm for all the godly music we can have. And it is so beneficial. And it prepares our hearts for worship. And it communicates great spiritual truth. And I'm for drama. And I'm for programs. And I'm for all those things. But when it comes down to it, the method of reaching our world at Landmark Baptist Church must be the preaching of God's Word from this pulpit. Don't move. Number three, I think there has to be a commitment to a separatist stand in this world. I look at verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And then Paul just looks at Timothy and says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Finish it. I think there's still a need for modesty. I think we still have to reject the principles of the world wherever and whenever they are in opposition to the truth of the Scriptures. I think we have to be so cautious of our testimony in business, so cautious in terms of entertainment, so cautious in terms of social life, social media, and all the like, Because at the end of the day, there is this culture and what it looks like. And God says, they're going to continue to get worse. I want you to continue where you are. Stay where you are. We don't have to look more and more like the culture. We don't have to act more and more like the culture. God just says, stay. Stay where you are. Number four, commitment to the authority and the autonomy of the local Baptist church. Yes, I added Baptist. I am not Baptist because I got saved. I am Baptist because of conviction. But I still believe converts are to get baptized. 
And I believe it's converts that get baptized. And I still think the local church is essential. I I still believe that Christ is the head of the local church and works through the local church. And here's what I, I just really know this is going to blow your mind. I think people ought to be members of local churches. And I think they ought to serve in their local churches. And I think they ought to give in their local churches. And, and I think they ought to submit to the authority that God has placed in their lives. Even when he's younger than they are. Hey, you want to hear how tough it can be? I go to a church, I'm a member of a church where my son is the pastor. He can tell me what to do. (laughs) And I gladly submit. Because it is the order that Christ put, and I think we need to make it continue, the authority, autonomy of the local church, number five, a commitment to worldwide and personal evangelism. Do you know why we exist? Ooh, that lesson was so good. We exist because there are people who don't know Christ in our world. And as Pastor was speaking about in Sunday school, some of them look like us and even act like us in some ways, but some of them don't. But God did not put us on this earth and put us in Landmark Baptist Church to just sit around and be comfortable and have our own little social club where we fit and everybody fit just like us. He put us in this place and with this church because there is a world that that does not look like us, does not act like us, does not believe like us, but He loves. He loves. And he wants us to reach them. He wants us to reach them all across this globe. And he wants us to reach them on Creighton Road and Laburnum and all the places that surround here. And God has said, you're the evangelist. Those things can't change. A missions program. Personal evangelism. So here's all I'm saying and I'll be done. Our God is faithful. He does not move. And he said, I know that you live in a culture that's chaotic, it's always moving, but he is saying, Pastor Sumter and Landmark, you stay. You stay. Don't move. Keep doing what you're doing. Define it biblically. Because Mechanicsville and Richmond need to understand that there is a place that stands for God. A number of years ago, we have three children. And our youngest, Joshua, we, my wife and I, we're, we are actually can take care of ourselves still. And we were out doing something out and about, and we didn't usually. My wife's very good about texting our kids, saying we're going to be gone for a couple of days, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But for this time, we, we felt like, you know, in our 60s, we could go and not tell anybody. <laughs> and we forgot to tell them where we were going. And, and evidently, they were checking on us. And, and we got a message on our phone, and it said this, Where are you two? <laughs> Nobody knows where you are. We don't know if you need what. You get home, you know, kind of like that. <laughs> and it's from our youngest son. 
we called and we said, hey, we're okay. We just thought we could actually go without telling anybody. <laughs> and he said, Mom and Dad, people need to know where you are. People need to know where you are. And they need to know that you are standing where your grandfather stood, where your mother and your father stood. Not because his name was Jim and his name was Donnie and Sonia, but because what they taught you was the Word of God. And what they delivered to you and lived out in your presence was the Word of God. And it doesn't change. And the world still needs that truth. And the world, though they live in this chaos, they don't know what's going to be tomorrow. They need to know that Landmark is a place where the truth is. And stands. And it stays. And it continues. And we need to support them as they stand and lead us to continue.